Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast podcast for a mid season edition of stat nerd thursday that means if you haven't figured it out by now i'm matt Harmon, and i'm joined each week by my fellow stat master dalton del don dalton how's it going man doing well matt what's going on man it's uh football what, halfway here um man it's uh it's a crazy crazy coming off just an absolutely wild week with a ton of carnage in survivor pools oh my god yeah week nine was incredibly unpredictable and you know, I, I don't know about you, buddy. Like, I love that the NFL is unpredictable. Like, I know it would obviously – it's going to bring some carnage, as you mentioned, to our fantasy lineups, to our, um, you know, to our survivor pools, betting, DFS, whatever. But it's part of the whole reason why this thing is exciting. No doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm not complaining. But, yeah, this was – and everyone says, you know, craziest season ever or whatever. But um, this week, this last week, was one of the wilder ones in the NFL I can remember in recent memory. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny, too. Like, we, um, you mentioned just like this, the, the carnage and unpredictability of this week, and like we're halfway through it. And this is the crazy part, too, because like I always uh, say this line from uh, my friend Segment Bloom from Football Guys like, you can be right and wrong about something uh, in just the course of one season, you know? So I, I'm, I'm hoping that there are some guys that are going to turn the tide that were maybe disappointing in the first half, or maybe like all these, like James Conner, dude, like James Conner. He's going to like lead you to a fantasy championship at this point, you know, if you drafted him. Uh, so it's like these weird heroes of the second half that you didn't see coming are now going to like start to pop up. And I, I think that's like one of the most exciting parts of, of the fantasy season. Connor specifically, I thought, was egregiously ranked in our community. Top 25 back last week, seeing like 11.8 touches. Uh, relying on touchdowns with Chase Edmonds there against, uh, you know, as five and a half point underdogs. Um, I thought that was just way too high. So then he goes out and he finishes as the RB1, scores three touchdowns. Of course, it helped that Edmonds left immediately. But um, pretty funny. It's, yeah, process doesn't need to always be right for the for the results to be uh, to be there. Now, now Connor, you know, look at DFS. He's not priced as a guy, uh, a top five guy, but he could easily be considered that with Edmonds out of the way. I know there's some, you know, Benjamin fans. But yeah, this last week, you funny you said that because I was like, Connor, why is everyone ranking him as a top 25 guy sharing touches in a tough matchup without Kyler Murray and three touchdowns later? He leads the NFL in touchdowns and he saw more targets yeah. and, recept and receptions in that game alone than he had all season before entering that week. That's insane. Um, I definitely feel like I had a couple pro James Connor moments on this podcast and you were like, tell me no, don't do don't be falling for yeah. the James Connor thing. But I mean, 
it's it's it. I mean, it's one of those things like chaos always hits. You know, chaos always finds a way to hit. And I think this is also the time. Um, I just kind of went through and ranked all the backup running backs that I'd want to have. You know, going forward, and and I think like. That's such a crucial thing at this point because you like who could be the next James Conner? You know, like Sony Michelle, that guy should be on like rosters across fantasy. Like he should be 100% rostered because oh, yeah. Daryl Henderson's carries have started to drop. We know he's like a guy that has gotten banged up before. I'm so off the outline now. We're just like randomly talking about stuff. But like, you know, Sony Michelle, like this is the time of year to like what how, who's to say in December he doesn't have like four RB1 weeks and wins you a title? That's the type of stuff that can happen at this point going forward. 100% agree with you, Sonny Michelle. And to circle back with Connor, I was a guy stupid drafting him too high in previous years with the Steelers because he is a three-down capable back. He can be a yeah. receiver and a goal line guy. And he took over a role there that Kenyon Drake finished, I think, second in the league in goal line carries last year. Whatever Arizona has a lot of open carries there. And that team is awesome, man. Kyler Murray goes down, and they still just whoop the Niners, our Niners. I mean, their, their defense our is Niners. legit. Their defense is legit. So, yeah, Connor there now. I mean, he might have been a little bit, you know, TD dependent, a little lucky how he's getting his fantasy points. But, but boy, moving forward with that role, he could be a top five fantasy back easy. Easy, man. Easy. Like, it's tough to rank uh, many backs you'd rather have than James Conner going forward, at least for the next four or six weeks. However, Edmonds is going to be out. All right. But that's enough of this. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about, we're going to be talking about our Niners. We can't go through a Thursday <laughs> uh, episode without talking about our Niners at some point. Uh, but maybe it's actually some good news. But we'll get to that later on. Uh, some bad news. Well, Bad news for Sam Darnold. Neutral news for the Panthers offense, given how he's played recently. Sam Darnold has a fractured shoulder, and he's going to be out four to six weeks. He was placed on IR. The Panthers have signed fellow USC uh, quarterback Matt Barkley, but P.J. Walker is probably going to get the starter's work from here. Dalton, I mean, Sam Darnold had a a moment of grace, and he fell from that thing pretty hard. Uh, where are we at with the Carolina Panthers offense sans Sam Darnold? It's tough to get much worse than how Sam Darnold was playing of late, but um, I don't know. P.J. Walker hasn't exactly shined when he's been given chances, in fairness to him, in relief duty. Yeah, poor DJ Moore of the last five games or so had been a top five in expected fantasy points and not top 50 in actual fantasy points. Oh. Um, so I guess it can't get m- much worse. And McCaffrey's expected return will, I mean, he'll, he'll, him being back hopefully helps. But boy, you get, I want you to tell me about if you know much about PJ Walker, because I don't at all. I'm considering using Arizona in a big survivor pool. Don't love the setup of them keeping him to win. And I don't know who's going to start at quarterback. So don't love the uncertainty with PJ Walker. But I believe Rule coached him back in college. And now they'll have, you know, a week of starter reps and they'll probably feature a game plan with a lot a low a dot like colt mccoy you know with no kyler murray just the game plan changes much it's, it's safer game plan you know so i don't know what do you expect from carolina with with, with pj walker whom to me is just a total total unknown you mentioned it that um pj walker coached by matt rule at temple uh and we got a shower narrative too going on because uh pj walker played with robbie anderson okay at Temple. So, I mean, let's go with, I don't know. I mean, nobody could possibly want to play Robbie Anderson right Right. now uh, at all. But Robbie Anderson did uh, make that point, like going into, going into the week last week, because there was a chance that, uh, you know, Sam Darnold didn't, didn't start last week and they would have had to use PJ Walker as a starter. Um, Former XFL guy, PJ Walker, you know, like I said, we've seen him. I'm trying to pull up his stats right now just of of late, but it's not pretty, buddy. Like, let me tell you that. Three of 14 in week seven in relief of Sam Darnold. Three sacks in that game. Yikes. I think he also had a couple of moments where he played last year, too. But, 
He's a relative unknown. Yeah, in 2020. Oh, Jesus. In 2020, <laughs> he did have to start a game uh, last year. One touchdown to five interceptions. So, I mean, that's about that's about Sam Darnold right now. <laughs> so, I don't know. Arizona, number two in uh, DVOA, their defense. Number two in past DVOA uh, defense as well. So, yeah, it's not an ideal uh, first setup, uh, first start there on the road um, in Arizona. Yeah, that's that's that could be brutal. But, yeah, I mean, Darnold's been so, so bad, man. It's uh, I didn't. I was in, it was so encouraging, you know, first couple of games and outside of uh, of of Adam Gase, but boy, that ended poorly. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, not a not a rushing threat either. Um, Thirty four attempts completed, twenty four of them in his lone start in twenty twenty against the Detroit Lions. One touchdown, two interceptions, a seventy seven point eight passer rating. So yeah, like just. This is a pretty brutal situation. I don't think you care about – we barely did anyways, but I don't think you care about anybody in Carolina beyond DJ Moore. And even more, like, how can you start DJ Moore with confidence this week? Uh, I mean, how could you – and again, I don't even care had Sam Darnold been in there or not. But, man, how do you how do you do it now? Like, uh, even, uh, even with Darnold or not, I don't know how you felt confident. But McCaffrey's a guy that, like, I kind of thought maybe it would be wise for them to take it slow – on Christian McCaffrey, I have no idea how they could possibly take it slow on Christian McCaffrey at this point. Yeah, exactly. You're just starting those guys based on volume, and uh, Moore is more of a wide receiver three, and you're, you know, just depends on your alternatives. But you're certainly not starting him with confidence, that's for sure, in this matchup. No, yeah, definitely not. Uh, okay, moving on from there, rough situation. Uh, there are reports for Odo Beckham that he's talking to a handful of teams around the NFL, Saints, Seahawks, Patriots, Packers, Chiefs about potentially join them uh, by the time you're listening to this he may have even signed with a team do you have a dream destination for Odell or are you straight out of the Odell Beckham business I'm pretty much out at this point I'm more concerned about is he going to go to Seattle and kind of mess up a nice uh, narrow know, target yeah. tree and a more like that but I'm personally I haven't rushed to, to add him on any of my fantasy teams I mean I could see it if, it if he lands in an ideal situation and he's Odell and he's I don't know, whatever. It's possible, this scenario, but personally, I'm, 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 I'm moving on. Yeah, I'm mostly, well, here's the problem. I drafted him in a couple of spots I, and, yeah. didn't, and didn't drop him yet to now to the point it's like, okay, well, I might as well just hold on and like so see So where do you where want him to go? Up. Where would be our, your ideal scenario then? Well, you know, he t- uh, Charles Robinson uh, put out an article, our own Charles Robinson put out an article of like his dream, desti- his destination, he would prefer a playoff contender with a good offensive mi- dry- driven head coach and a creative veteran quarterback with a track record of success. I'm like, okay, well, so a perfect situation. <laughs> like, <laughs> I right. want all of the things. Yeah, exactly. if, apparently, uh, he, I've seen other reports that he's narrowed down to, he would like to go to Kansas City, Green Bay, or New Orleans. I feel like New Orleans is the most likely of the three. Uh, I'm actually okay with him going to any of those three places because I don't think he screws up like the fantasy outlook for anybody. I agree with you. Keep him out of Seattle. Baltimore had been uh, like there were whispers of that. Please know like I don't want him messing up what's going on there with their young wide receivers. I still have optimism that Beckham can be a good player. But I think he needs to be like a number two wide receiver. Like I, he still gets open, he still runs good routes, he still creates separation. But like the spectacular plays, at least right now, because he's still less than a year or just over a year out of tearing his ACL, he's like a one speed runner after the catch. He doesn't break tackles in open space. Like all of those magic plays that we're used to from him back in the day, those are gone. Like I think he's just a solid number two wide receiver at this point. But like. 
for God's sakes, Dalton, Kansas City and Green Bay, especially Kansas City, like it's it's enough with McCole Hardman already. Like you don't want to they're they're a spread team, so they like have to throw to him six times a game. You don't want to be in the business of doing that. Like if I think the Chiefs or the Packers would be the ideal destination for both player and team because you get to play with obviously an established quarterback in Rodgers or Mahomes and they have an immediate need and they wouldn't also have to rely on him too much. And if you're Beckham too, why not go to a team that you can like be a secondary or third threat and just like make a couple big plays in a big game and like rehab your value that way. Yeah. Those last two are my picks too. KC, um, even if he has to do the underneath stuff that uh, Travis Kelsey is simply incapable of doing right now, uh, yeah, get the, hard, the targets going to Hardman. Um, or, or Green Bay outside of Devontae Adams, there's really no other options there. So, um, yeah, I like those two. But, you know, he'll probably have signed by the time this podcast comes out further uh, messing up a, a disastrous year for Beckham. Because I'm with you. I did grab him in, a, in fifth, sixth rounds of a couple, uh, a couple drafts expecting a bounce back year from him. And it's been anything but. Yeah, and I mean, New Orleans is just tough. Like, obviously, he'd walk into the number one spot on that depth chart by a pretty good amount. But but... is that the best thing for him right now? And like you're playing, you know, with Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't really know about that. So we'll see. The Jets announced that Mike White is going to start versus Buffalo. I don't want to talk about. I mean, it's tough. How can you play uh, any Jets with confidence going into a matchup with the Bills who have, you know, despite the fact that we're all freaking out about the Buffalo Bills offense, they still, you know, basically flummoxed the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars last week, which was to be expected, but um, nine points allowed uh, last week. I do think Mike White starting is is still good news for the Jets skill position players. Like I think that's good for Michael Carter, who is probably what like a low end RB two this week should continue to get passing down work. I don't like Corey Davis might be back. I don't know about that. Uh, and like I, you know, I love Elijah Moore, man. That's one of my guys. But you can't really chase the points from last week because Davis is going to be back, and they're still rotating all these guys. Jamison Crowder ran the most routes on the team by a lot. Mike White's good news for those who like 13 points at home against a Bills team that's been really, you know, shaky the last couple of weeks coming out of the bye ever since the cover two shell uh, has been you know, implemented against him. And it's good news for Michael Carter, fantasy managers, who's he just seen a ton of targets. If you I forget the amount, but it's over the six quarters where he's played with, with, with White. It's just been out of control, the amount of targets that Carter has seen. And uh, yeah, Elijah Moore is definitely a guy to stash at minimum because he you know received all that preseason hype. And now he has competent quarterback play. So he's absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe even beyond on the radar. I get I hear what you're saying, but he might just be he might just outshine a healthy Corey Davis down the second half, too. That's that's possible, too. Yeah. Like him bet certainly like him better as a uh, bench play than a start against Buffalo. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm a Elijah Moore guy. And um, yeah, Mike White yeah. has played so well when on the field. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how he does. But bu- Buffalo, what do you think? Conversely, what are they going to do? Are they going to figure it out? I mean, it's really interesting that these defenses, KC and Buffalo, the cover two shell and this limiting all those deep passes and they can, and they cannot run the ball Buffalo. So it's, it's, it's curious what's going to, I'm really interested to see what happens moving forward. Yeah. I do think Dawson Knox returning to practice. If he can play, uh, Liz go. had a really good point about that on Sunday's podcast, that that was like a, a pretty big loss for them, even though, and it's weird to say that because Dawson Knox was not a guy that any of us were really counting on being as good as he was for the early part of the year. So it's weird to talk about as about him as like an integral part of their offense when they have, Steph Diggs, Josh Allen, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley. But I do think having a viable tight end like that 
opens up that middle of the field to the point that like it gave them more vertical uh more vertical shots that way like instead of just working the boundaries with Stefan Diggs like they did so much last year and it's tough with Diggs too like I just think because when you look at like from a target share perspective I know like his uh his target share is down a little bit but like his raw targets are still extremely high um he's been mostly a floor guy it's not as if he's killed your fantasy team so far this year he hasn't just given you those explosive games and I think most of that is that Josh Allen just hasn't played as well as he has last Last year, some of that could correct itself. Like Stefan Diggs still has like 13 targets in the red zone this year. So there's a lot of juice still left to be squeezed there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if this team just finally like, you know, it could just be as simple as like, yeah, they, they go into their bye after a tough loss. Uh, they kind of don't get all the way up for these last two games. I wouldn't be surprised if they just come out and like, all right, that's enough of this. And like, just kick the kick the crap out of the Jets. Totally possible, uh, part of, out inside the realm of possibilities for sure is a huge blowout here. And, and with Zach Moss suddenly questionable, Devin Singletary could be a, a top start here. Circled back, Michael Carter has seen 23 targets over six, essentially six quarters with Mike White. So even in a tough matchup in PPR, he's an option. But yeah, you're, I mean, Bills could suddenly get a get right game and blow out this Jets team. But, um, I'm, I don't know. At this point, it's a prove it. I, I like, those are a lot of points at home for a team a starting, points, yeah. starting Magic Mike at, at quarterback. That's a lot of point <laughs> exactly well no i mean it's i don't want to be too hard on the robert sala jets uh coaching staff <laughs> yeah. but little frustrating that a team who is clearly not going anywhere this year and really never should have expected to go anywhere this year is still rotating a guy like elijah moore with Keelan Cole and Jamison Crowder and like I like those guys those guys are obviously good NFL players Keelan Cole is like his catch to unbelievable catch ratio is like crazy scaled towards the crazy catch ratio uh and Jamison Crowder is like a steady veteran but come on man like Elijah Moore is is a potential superstar I think he could easily be better than Corey Davis it's like let's just keep this he has been more involved uh over the last two games since their bye week hopefully that trend sticks up and same with Michael Carter too like it took a Tevin Coleman injury for us to get to this point like they should have been doing this with Michael Carter all year Oh, yeah, more Elijah. Elijah, rookies are killing it. My Mitchell and SF and more. Yeah, more, more, more in New York. Uh, I'm not arguing here. Yeah, it was unfortunate when Crowder did resign. Crowder's a, a, a real nice player out of the slot for sure, but they're a bit redundant there. So moving forward, uh, the quarterback situation there. If yeah, you're a dynasty guy, you know, it's such a, you know, so up in the air. But man, more the player. Uh, he looks like a, a future star. Yeah, absolutely. I I believe in him a lot. Uh, Last thing on the news here, Aaron Rodgers has been fined but not suspended, although he will not be able to practice with the team this week. He can be reinstated on Saturday. It's unsure if he's going to be able to play versus uh, Seattle on Sunday. I listened to his second, the less eventful of the two, uh, most recent appearance on Pat McAfee's show, and he basically said, like, there is a you know, there's a slight chance he doesn't play, but he sure sounded, and I mean, he can sound like it all he wants. It, you know, he does have to clear the protocols and everything. He sounds like a guy who's very much planning to suit up on Sunday, which obviously is good news for all of our Packers players. But uh, some, still some risk, though. Still some risk, Dalton. 
Yeah, all football fans are hoping both star quarterbacks return, uh, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, in this matchup. Uh, Seahawks are allowing more than 400 yards per game. Well, Dal- so- Dalton, Dalton, yeah. Dalton. Russell Wilson let us know with his cute little Twitter video that he's coming back. But okay, he, he's that back. buddy's yeah. your boy's coming back he's this back. week, you know. He's back. All right, okay, good. I want to see this matchup with Rodgers in there as well. Yeah, of course, Devontae Adams would be cutting, you know, the number one or number two fantasy receiver to, uh, you know, a shaky start with Jordan Love. I mean, boy, that was quite a oh, contrast yeah. last week. I mean, I think the Packers would have likely won that game but love it was not it was not great even for no matter how cheap he was in dfs it was it was ugly stuff last week so yeah hopefully rogers is good to go this week but we may not find out until saturday night yeah exactly it's going to be a late one so keep yourself prepared um i'd probably still start adams either way like as much as we dog on the chiefs defense like spags just threw the kitchen sink at that guy uh you know and, and jordan love was not ready for that moment i think he could at least be not a stone cold disaster <laughs> against the Seahawks defense who does not have an aggressive defensive play caller like Steve Spagnola. So uh, that was just my one note on that. I would still start Adams either way, but I would at least prepare yourself. Like, I don't know, maybe put some more upside in your flex if you need, if you need that. Cause I think he's just a floor. There was a lot of prayer yards in those 14 uh, targets there from Jordan love to Devonte Adams. But uh, yeah, we will move on. Let's move on to the stats uh, portion of the show. And I mentioned it. I want to talk about our Niners, Dalton. It wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't talk about our Niners. 63% of Jimmy Garoppolo's Week 9 throws went to either Debo Samuel, George Kittle, or Brandon Ayuk. It was great to see George Kittle back and balling out. He was awesome in that game other than the fumble. Same with Brandon Ayuk, who was awesome in that game except for the fumble. And it's unfortunate that those two things are probably a huge reason why that game kind of got away from the 49ers in addition to the fact that their defense is just a straight-up nightmare right now. Dalton, I feel like, you know, so much has happened with the damn 49ers since we had this conversation in August or July or whatever. But I feel like part of our analysis with kind of being okay with drafting any of these three guys was that, you know, you said like, this is going to be a concentrated offense between these three guys. Like they're not going to be throwing goofballs like Trenton Sherfield and Muhammad Sanu out there or whatever. And that, (laughs) you know, it aged poorly on our part, right. To think because of what happened with Ayuk or whatever. But now it seems like we're starting to get that, original organic intended version of this offense where he check on all three of these guys for you uh well first of all it's awesome to see Kittle do that he hadn't scored since week six of last season and was facing an Arizona team that allowed the fewest fantasy points to tight end so nice to see him hopefully he can stay healthy our guy Ayuk is back not just the route percentage and the target percentage but um he had a nice one-on-one interview with Tim Kawakami a local beat writer the best one for the Niners and he essentially accepted responsibility for um this he was just given an opportunity last year and he didn't learn how to practice properly and, and he basically really did turn it on all himself and they, whatever they moved the pay moved on and, and Shannon hand likes him again yeah. so I, I think he's back and and Debo Me and too. Kittle Debo and Kittle I mean I love them but they're very injury prone as well so there could be a big second half right you could, uh, there's definitely a world in which he suddenly becomes a target monster again especially with that defense playing so so poorly when Ken Law's out for the season the run defense has been totally different since he's left so let's talk about our guy Jimmy G I get why both the f- fantasy community and 49er fans want to see Trey Lance and I do too 
Um, I'll probably be there Monday night and feel the jeans where they were one in 11 the last 12 games, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, the last I've never the, heard that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not me. I've stole it. But uh, but uh, do you know that Jimmy G over the last two weeks is PFF's highest graded passer? Now, you're going to say PFF, uh, you know, they're, they're, sometimes you raise your eyebrow like they had sure, Sam Darnold, yeah. the highest rater, too. Uh, he's also, the, over the last two weeks, the most fantasy points. Jimmy G among quarterbacks. So the both the PFS highest graded passer and scored the most fantasy points the last two weeks, Jimmy G. So uh, I don't really think that means anything. Uh, without, they suffered a McGlinchey injury on their uh, line. He's out for the season. And Garoppolo yeah. has been horrible against the against pressure. He's graded 36 out of 36 quarterbacks against pressure uh, with PFF. So it could be a nightmare against Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller come Monday night. So, uh, yeah. But what do you, where do you stand on our 49ers? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I think Jimmy G's played well the last two weeks. Like, I think he played well in Chicago. Um, you know, had some like gritty ass plays too, which was good to see. You know, for him. And then last week, you know, he throws an interception, but that was like late in the game. You know, I think this game just got away from the 49ers so quickly. But you know, we know who Jimmy G is. Like, he's this is the problem. Like, if Kyle's waiting for him to for Jimmy G to play his way out of the job, he might never play his way out of the job. Because he's just good enough to to be, you know, okay. I mean, he's making he makes rookie mistakes, even though he's not the rookie in this scenario. But um, he's going to play just well enough. And I think part of you, if you are a fantasy player, would almost rather see Jimmy G stay in as for the long term for all of these guys, because we know the passing volume will probably tick down whenever Trey Lance gets in there. But to your point about the defense, like they might want to be, you know. 25th and neutral pass rate or something like that but I don't know if they're going to be able to pull that off with this defense this thing is that's a problem man and, and like uh Ben Solak uh made a point he writes for the ringer I've just read his piece this morning about kind of the issues with Kyle Shanahan like Kyle Shanahan the play caller has been a-okay right like they're great offense that's worked but almost just like his dad it's literally like history is repeating itself his personnel control is the problem because you know he, even we talk about the Ayuk thing, obviously the Trey Sermon thing, forget about it. But like uh, Lenore, their rookie cornerback who had some decent moments, uh, Ben Solak made the point that like that guy's just been completely erased for goofball veterans like Drake Kirkpatrick and Josh Norman who are total liabilities right now. And that's just yet another instance of uh, Shanahan like having to – like somebody's got to be able to go down to Shanahan and say, hey, buddy, enough. Like play the young guys. We're, we, you need to stop with this whole thing. But nobody can check him. In the building. Anyways, that's kind of a tangent to, to, to make the point that, like, yeah, this defense is going to be a problem all year. I think the volume for these guys can keep up. It's not just personnel with Shanahan. It's also game day decisions. He did a horrible surrender yeah. punt last week with fourth down. He's been among the bottom worst the last three years. And also last week, just perplexingly, they scored a touchdown to go down 18 points. And he kicked an extra point to go down 17 instead of making it a two-score game. I mean, this is just wild Tough stuff. Scene. I mean, they weren't even, they were, do you understand? They were only going to get two possessions. Le I mean, it's, it's, it's truly, I mean, it's, it's, it's all, uh, it's, it's rough, man. It's rough. Yeah. His game day decisions, personnel, it's been, I mean, if you look at his list of players uh, that he took in this last draft, uh, Aaron Banks in the second round, uh, Sermon in yeah. the early, I mean, they're not even seeing the field last week. It's a lot of criticism in San Francisco right now. They've had, they've had faced a tougher schedule, but it's looked ugly. I mean, 
They just got a uh, boat race as five and a, that game closes five and a half point favorites with Colt McCoy st- starting. And there's just zero home field advantage there. And um, they suffered some injuries. But yeah, Garoppolo has been just good enough. And I totally hear you as far as fantasy goes. Trey Lance might steal the goal line rushes from Mitchell. Uh, the passing game will be even less. I would I'm curious to see Ayuk downfield with a guy actually was willing to throw it outside the numbers Me and too, has, a, yeah. has an Same. arm. But that would, you know, he'll he'll be so raw. Who knows? Um, it might take, you know, a yeah, while. But but yeah, for fantasy managers, for everyone involved, uh, you just love probably status quo with Jimmy G starting and Kittle, Samuel and Ayuk forming that real narrow target tree. This is the t- like, look at Justin Fields right now, how he you can tell we're going to talk about him later, too. But like his last two games, he's looked so much better than he did early on because he's out there like learning from his mistakes, taking his lumps. The 49ers have obviously just not given Trey Lance that opportunity to the point that like even if he starts like the last five weeks of the season or something like that, it'll probably still be a little bit of an S show just because like, you know, it's he's learning on the job just like Fields was or whatever. So there is, that is a risk. Uh, last thing on the 49ers here. I hate to turn this into 49ers. I, screw it. I love talking about this because it's just so funny. Um Debo Samuel is fourth in the NFL right now in weighted opportunity. Obviously, most of that has come with George Kittle being on IR and Brandon Ayuk, you know, not having his existence and not acknowledged by Kyle Shanahan. Now that Kittle is back and Ayuk is is back in there or whatever, do you think Debo is like kind of a sell high? I kind of sort of see like no, I feel like there's no way he keeps up what he was doing in the early part of the season. This is a guy who's averaging almost 10 yards after the catch per reception. That's not going to happen, you know, for the long term. But and if he's going to have to do it that way, it's going to have to be on low volume. Yes, you better get plenty back because he's been so, so good. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the injury histories have suffered a Jones fracture last year. Ayuk's looking much better. Now, that's a real thing. Ayuk's going to get the targets moving forward and Kittle. So if those guys stay healthy, there's just no question that Samuel, uh, yeah, the weighted opportunity rating you said suggests that he's, you know, few few players in football has received an opportunity he has that it simply should not be there over the second half of the year. Love Debo. And the guy's just a you know, yards after the catch monster. But um, but yeah, he's a, he's a sell high in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, I love Debo too, but like he's up there with Devontae Adams, AJ Brown, like Cooper Cup, and like he's he's good, but he's just not that type of player. Uh, but that is, you know, another discussion. So yeah, I, th- I think I wouldn't mind selling him high, but like you said, you better get a lot, a lot back for him, like which I think you could probably pull off, but that's neither here nor there. Um, a guy I might want to buy right now is Mike Williams. Uh, Mike Williams has seen his role change of late. Uh, he had a pretty routine 10.2 average depth of target. Uh, that showed he was getting those, that full field usage in weeks one through four, but it's uh, left up to 14.1 since week five. That's closer to that boomer bust old Mike Williams role. Dalton, how much of this has to do with an the injury, how much of this has to do with the Chargers just kind of looking for more downfield explosion in their kind of dink and dunk passing game? And are you worried or kind of willing to wave off this slow stretch for Mike Williams? From what I've read in the tea leaves, I'm worried that it's his knee injury. It's just part of who he's been throughout his career. He just is an awesome player when healthy, but gets banged up. And this is another one of those issues. But I have no idea if that's true. And I have no clue if he can recover in a week or two. And Williams could be awesome. I mean, his upside's through the roof with Herbert balling. So uh, I, I would be worried. Um, I'm not actively trading for him. I think it's another I- an injury, unfortunately. But I'm open to being very wrong there. And if he's healthy, Mike Williams could be, uh, you know, the, the the flip side of that is he has a ceiling of being a top five fantasy wideout down the stretch, given his skill and, and situation. The injury is the biggest concern, but I I also do think you could kind of explain away the last few weeks for Mike Williams. Like 
Did they get boat raced by the Ravens and the Patriots? Those teams are like physical press man coverage um, defenses. And last week, I feel like we talked about this on the Stat Nerd podcast. Like this last week always set up to be a beautiful like Keenan Allen game because they uh, the Eagles allowed like the lowest a dot, the highest completion percentage. And, you know, what do you know? Keenan Allen rings them up for double digit catches, 100 plus yards, whatever. That was always going to kind of be the case. You know, Mike Williams was going to get shattered by Darius Slay. We kind of knew that was going to happen, too. This week, though, you know, this Viking secondary is rough right now from a personnel standpoint. Their uh, corners are extremely um, – they're injured on defense. Their corners that are out there right now are not very good. Uh, last week, the Ravens kind of went ham on them. Uh, I, I could easily see Mike Williams having a rebound spot. So that's kind of thing. If you want to take a stand on Williams, you might want to do it ahead of this week because I think he could go crazy this week. And no Daniil Hunter and no Harrison Smith. I believe he's going to miss this game yep. as well. Um, this should be one of the funnest games of the season on paper. I mean, uh, it, it is every single, I believe about 90% of the games both these teams have played have been decided on the final play of the game. Not in every game ends on the final <laughs> play. It was just like decided. You know, they've come down to the very, very end. And Mike Zimmer, yeah. no matter how big of a lead he gets, he'll coach to he'll coach to make the other team come back and, and vice versa. So I, I think it's going to be a fun game that's going to probably, I mean, if any game is should be a favor to go into overtime, it's this one. So I can't wait to watch yeah a couple of teams that consistently give their fan bases a heart attack uh these two teams the vikings and the chargers so that's a good call there um another receiver that i might be a little nervous about right now is Cortland sutton who has six total targets since jerry judy came back and by the way you know we just talked about how the philadelphia eagles they allow that low a dot the high completion percentage they have darius slay shadowing kind of the big outside receivers guess who the denver broncos play this week the Philadelphia Eagles. This looks like yeah, yet another week right. where uh, Jerry Judy can go crazy in the slot, you know, running 75% of his routes from the slot, uh, getting those layup targets. Then you got Cortland Sutton um, as the big outside receiver. I said going into the year that I was nervous about all three of these guys, like, I, you know, Noah Fant and uh, Tim, uh, Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, and Jerry Judy all coexisting together. And now you got Tim Patrick, like, legitimately thrown into the mix and probably not uh, leaving at any point. I'm a little nervous about the all of these Denver Broncos pass catchers, but definitely Cortland Sutton. Absolutely, Judy has been. They've been making a point of getting him the targets. So yeah, it's a it's a problem there in a team that you know wants to run the ball as well. And you know Bridgewater fairly conservative, and and if Fant returns, yeah, no, it's definitely Sutton looks so so strong the first half of the year, but Judy might be the alpha over the second half. Yeah, I would I would um I don't know that you could really trade Cortland Sutton right now, but I'd be nervous about starting him. Maybe he's a guy to try to throw in a trade package or something like that. That makes me a little nervous. Chase Claypool got banged up to end the last game. Uh, of course, like uh, you know, wasn't a big story or anything like that, but I do think it's worth noting if Chase Claypool misses any time, we've got two we've got two guys who are like clearly ahead of him in the pecking order anyways but could really absorb a lot of volume Deontay Johnson 46.2 percent share of the Steelers air yards since week six and in that same span Pat Fryermuth what a what a stud this guy ranks second in target share with 20 percent and has scored thrice is Patrick Fryermuth a fantasy starting tight end the rest of the season yes or no yeah, he is. He's shown me enough. And yeah, uh, yeah, borderline. I have him 10th this week. Great matchup. Yeah, man, he's a beast down there in the red zone. Uh, uh, yes, I have him as a starter, a fantasy weekly starter moving forward. It feels weird to say, but like how many other tight ends are, are getting better, like usage, getting better uh, playing time, routes, run targets, all that stuff than Fryermuth. I mean, also, I think he's just an underrated prospect coming into this uh, year's draft. 
Right. And it, especially if Chase Claypool was banged up. I like I would have said that even without that aspect. But yeah, no, for sure. So assuming Big Ben's shoulder, uh, you know, doesn't knock him out. Well, you know, yeah, that is a that's a that's a good note to make because uh, Ben Roethlisberger did say I told reporters that he's been dealing with a shoulder injury since September. Uh, I think he said to reporters, we don't tell you guys anything, which or we don't tell you everything, which is true. There's probably a lot of underreported injuries, but you know who does manage to to leak their injury news quite often? (laughs) One Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, big Ben. Yes. (laughs) Oh man, Ben's like a meme at this point. I'm gonna like I'm almost gonna kind of miss him. I I well, uh, probably not. I I will not miss <laughs> watching him. Almost, <laughs> almost. I said almost, right? It's just funny, like watching Ben Roethlisberger on Monday Night Football. Try everyone's like, oh, he's trying to have his John Elway moment. That's why he wears number seven. And he's like just falling over before you know getting a one yard run or something like that. And I mean, it's like anytime Ben Roethlisberger. Is getting you know he if he pumps once and doesn't throw it and starts to run it's a stone lock he's going down he is getting <laughs> sacked on that play and it's just crazy like this guy used to be like the escape artist in the NFL and it's just hey age comes for us all no doubt no doubt no doubt yeah uh, in that same game I want to mention this last one before we preview Thursday Night Football Justin Fields I think Fields over the last two weeks has really started to come on and again this is just like time uh you know spent playing getting acclimated the coaching staff figuring out what justin fields does well the other receivers figuring out what justin fields does well over the last two weeks 18 carries 13 of those have been scrambles and 7.4 adjusted yards per attempt as a passer i know that's not like oh wow elite or anything like that but it's a lot better than in some of his games this year man let me tell you that i feel like we are at a pretty good place with fields and i wanted to mention this i know they're on a bye this week but we talked about the Seahawks receivers coming into their bye last week. And it was like, this might be a good time to like try to trade for some Seahawks, uh, you know, and just, just figure it out, everything like that. But I kind of feel like I could tell myself a story where this bears offense has been straight up non-functional this year. I know it's like entirely difficult to bank on a guy like Allen Robinson or Darnell Mooney, but I'd at least want to roster those guys through their bye week and see what it looks like on the other side in case fields just comes out and looks much better. I mean, we're looking at guys like, you know, Michael Carter and Elijah Moore, like playing much better for the Jets coming out of their bye week. Uh, Pat Fryermuth has gotten really involved in the Steelers offense, you know, after their bye week, stuff like that. I just kind of wonder if we're going to see a better version. Like I, I, all I'm asking for is functional. I think that could benefit the two receivers. And David Montgomery got like a legit elite usage on Monday. And I was not expecting that. Fields has looked, he's made the proper adjustments to improvement. He looks like uh, going to be a bright, bright future in this league. Um, Cole Komet is the other guy I would add to his routes run and targets have, have, have crept up. And the coach even just recently said, came out and said, you know, a big second half could be in store there, especially if Fields continues mm, to improve as a passer. So yeah, I'm with you there. Hold on to these guys. That's offense uh, could be looking much, much better over the second half coming out of the bye. I think for Allen Robinson, too, I, I know I'm like the world's biggest Allen Robinson apologist, and I'm not like going to, you know, I can't be objective about this situation, but made that big play on Monday night. And, you know, this is a guy who I think has been playing injured basically all year. Having the bye week could help a lot, too, for a guy like Allen Robinson. Get these two guys in sync, get these guys in chemistry, get some chemistry together. I feel like I'm not totally giving up on Allen Robinson, although it's it's obviously been pretty tough. As a, as a Niners guy with the number three pick, you know, I looked at, read all about all these quarterbacks. I was sold on Justin Fields personally. That's Me one too. of the Niners to yeah. take. I mean, I so I it, yeah, it's 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 tough to watch him look so good because he he's 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 impressed, man. 
like I said, I wish the 49ers would just have kind of like once Jimmy got hurt, like just have rode the rode the wave with Trey Lance and like just tried. To, but hey, it's pretty clear Kyle Shanahan's not riding the wave with anybody. It's like his way or the highway type thing. So yikes, tough scene there. All right, let's talk. Let's talk Baltimore Ravens at Miami Dolphins. Tua is likely out of this game. Do you, do you care like whoever plays quarterback? Does it really move the needle that much for you? I wanted to use the Saints last week. I had a bad uh, Cowboys feel feel in a $6 million survivor pool. My partner talked us into the Dolphins. It was locked in before the Tua wow. news. So I'm the biggest Miami fan. No human watched that uh, that game last week as intently as I did. But uh, yeah, it uh, yeah go, go Dolphins. But yeah, you're right. Fantasy purposes, not just my self-indulgence here. Yeah, I don't know. Tua, I don't know. He throws the ball downfield more. A banged up Tua. Probably isn't much of yeah. a difference. I'll say that much there right. too. But I, I don't know. It's a short week. Uh, if you read uh, reading the co- the coaches' uh, quotes, I, I would say that Brissett is most likely to start this game. Yeah, and we know that that means it's going to be an even more, like you mentioned, short passing offense. Jacoby Brissett has cleared seven point zero yards per attempt uh, on just in just one of his four starts this year. It's a dink and dunk operation with old Jacoby Brissett there, which might be a little bit of a boost for Miles Gaskin. He's just eighteen dollars in our Yahoo Daily Fantasy game. Uh, the Ravens are bottom five in both explosive run rate and explosive passing rate allowed. Obviously. Miles Gaskin had that monster like 10 target game against the Bucks, but he also had six targets, I believe, last week as well. So that's probably good news for him, um, especially if Malcolm Brown doesn't look like he's going to play again in this game. And then can I say Devontae Freeman, how crazy is that he's suddenly an option and people, I mean, I actually want to go see if he's available in, in fantasy leagues, long gone in competitive ones, long but gone. it's just yeah. still surprising to me because I, 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 that's not going to work well with all those guys, but he has emerged and yeah, and he's an option no, he has, yeah. in this one. And I know this is going to be controversial, but yeah, Lamar Jackson's probably the superstar option in, in this one. At a third. Now, how about him? What? 21 carries last week, 120 yeah. rushing yards, third most rushing yards in the league last Last week, uh, man, just just crazy, man. He's just getting it done, both in real life and in fantasy. Yeah, he should be squarely in the MVP conversation. Like, I think he's probably the value bet right now among M- in, in the MVP market. Um, Lamar leads the NFL among quarterbacks with 600 rushing yards. He also leads the NFL uh, in air yards per attempt. The Dolphins are a pretty man coverage heavy defense. Like, mobile quarterbacks typically shred this type of defense. And here's... We'll talk back on the Dolphins here in a second, but since you brought up Lamar and the Ravens, how awesome is it to see how concentrated this Ravens passing attack is between the top three guys? I mean, Rashad Bateman, man, he has just basically, he's like jumped right into the action. It's very similar. I keep, I've made this comparison before. It's very similar to how when Odell Beckham got hurt in his rookie year, and he came into the field on like week four and immediately just looked like he belonged. Now, I don't know that Bateman's going to have like a Odell Beckham monster catch game and like go crazy after that. Probably not. But I could easily see this being like his breakout moment. 72% of Lamar Jackson's throws since Bateman came off IR have either gone to Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, or Rashad Bateman. That's extremely concentrated. That's nice. I really hope Sammy Watkins doesn't come back and mess that up because I'm with you. Bateman, I, I didn't see it, didn't see the highlight until today, but he made an awesome one-handed grab last week. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. The rookie's really he impressed throughout camp, and now back healthy. Apparently, he's the real deal, guy. real deal. Yeah, and then conversely on their on their defense, you think of the Ravens always being as a, a bad uh, fantasy opponent, but they're tied for last in the league with Kansas City this year in yards per play allowed. You know just right below the Lions and the Jets defense, allowing more yards per play. So 
I don't know, they're not even the worst matchup there. So it's kind of kind of perfect for fantasy. Their offense is explosive and fun, and then their defense is allowing it on the other side too. Rashad Bateman's caught 12 passes this year, Dalton. How many of them do you think have gone for a first down? Uh, 12. 11. Close okay, enough. Sorry, I hate <laughs> yeah, to go but... overboard on it. Yeah, no, well done, Britton. Yeah, nice. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah, it's it's pretty, yeah. He's just like, he's their possession receiver, like move of the chains, that type of thing. Uh, but Marquise Brown, obviously, Mark, uh, Mark Andrews, I, I don't really think this dings them at all. Like I mentioned, it's so concentrated between those guys. Jalen Waddle on the other side, like you mentioned, they're going to give it, the Ravens are going to give it up on the other side. I have been waiting for Jalen Waddle to turn all this usage into a big play because he has that speed. He has that at downfield ability. I don't know if Jacoby Brissett's going to be the guy to get him there, but this Ravens pass defense, like I mentioned, is bottom five in explosive passing rate allowed. Jalen Waddle's 42 targets over the last four weeks. Like at some point, he's going to have to rip off a big play. Yeah, four bucks cheaper than Bateman. Dolphins won't be able to run the ball, so they're going to be passing. And part Devontae Parker's on IR, so yeah, Waddle's looking good at $17 salary in this game for sure. I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, and it's a, an extremely concentrated passing attack on that side of the ball too. Uh, Mike, it's like Mike Gusecki and Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. But, but if you do need a ten dollar flyer, I don't hate Matt Collins. I don't hate Matt Collins. If you're looking to go like super cheap in daily fantasy, he's third on the team with 117 routes uh, in the three games without Devontae Parker. Three most recent games without Devontae Parker. Uh, that's only 12 behind Jalen Waddle, just three behind Mike Gusecki. I definitely think he is in a dart throw territory for that defense, like I mentioned, that has given up some big passing. Plays. I thought you were going to give me a bird alert on that one, but yeah, Hollins was the one. making. I, would, I, I would love <laughs> to give you a bird alert, but unfortunately, the, the playing time doesn't really uh, dictate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, no, Hollins was making some nice plays out there in prime time. Yeah, only in desperation mode do you need to go to Matt Collins, though. But uh, all right, that is going to do it for us. Dalton, uh, what you got coming up this week, man? I have a sit-start column Friday, uh, preview pod with uh, Liz Loza, and yeah, and follow me on Twitter. Boom, yeah. As Dalton mentions, you need to follow him on yeah. Twitter for his uh, annual tweet. I think Hot it takes. should be coming yeah, soon. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> at, that's at Dalton Del Don on Twitter. You can also follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And, of course, if you want fantasy analysis and news updates from the entire team, give a follow to at Yahoo Fantasy. Meanwhile, while you're waiting for Dalton's annual tweet, can Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines finally get a much-needed win in Happy Valley? Mm, Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and SI's Pat Forty break down that game and all the important storylines heading into Saturday on the latest episode of the College Football Inquirer. Look for it wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the whole deal. Like Dalton mentioned, he will be back tomorrow with a preview of Sunday's NFL games to Loza, but until then, we are out. 